Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're so blessed, I mean, every year that we, we just get to worship whenever we want, right? And I think to live in America and to be here and is, uh, is really amazing. And, and I just love Christmas Eve. It's probably my favorite time of the year besides summer camp, Christmas Eve, okay? <laughs> It's like toss-up between youth camps and, and Christmas Eve. Is, it's up there. But I, I think the anticipation of, of what's going to happen, and, and it's really the anticipation of a promise being fulfilled. And we think about this in the natural. It's like mom and dad, they promise, hey, you're going to have presents under the tree. Santa's coming. Right? There's going to be presents under the tree. There's going to be something. There's going to be a gift for you. I have something prepared for you. But you know, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I've, I've experienced making promises in my life, and I like to keep promises. I'd like to say that I'm a promise keeper, mostly. Most all the timely, right? I like to be. But how many of you have ever broke a promise? Not just me. Yep, nope, not everybody. Yep, we're all there. <clears throat> not just me. And, and how many have ever had someone else break a promise to you? Like they promised they'd do something. Sometimes that's mom and dad. I've broken promises with my kids. They nail me down. They say, hey, we're going to do this. I go, ah, yeah, sure. I'm like half awake or whatever. And they're like, you said. You said you were going to. You know, Christmas is all about a promise. It's all about a promise being fulfilled, being followed through with. So we have a God who keeps his promises every time. Our God never breaks a promise, never bends, never fades, never compromises, doesn't forget, doesn't accidentally go, oh, yeah, oh, dang, I forgot about, yeah, wasn't I going to send my kid to come save you guys? Like, oh, shoot, that was going to be at that one Christmas. Oh, man, I got to wait another 2,000 years to pull that off or whatever. He isn't that kind of God. He's a God that has it precisely timed out and he's working on 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 exact measurements for a specific purpose and he kept this promise for a purpose and you are that purpose you he didn't keep the promise so that he could say I'm a promise keeper or he feel good about himself he did it because he wanted you and it was you were worth it to him to keep that promise and as we really look uh, at, at Christmas, and as we talk about the Christmas story, we're really talking about this promise that was fulfilled. We've been teaching out of really what we call types of Christ, or these times where we see in the Old Testament and thousands of years ago and generations and generations ago where God promises something, and through people's lives, he then has shown how he was going to fulfill the promise. So he didn't only say, hey, I'm going to fulfill this promise. He then did all these crazy things through people's lives and showed exactly how he would keep his promise so that when he kept it, you'd know. Just one story that we were talking about is Abraham, he's promised a son. And God promises Abraham, you're going to have a son. And through that son, you're going to bless all the nations. In fact, I'm bringing salvation to the world through you. What? And he promises him that. And then he finally has a son in his old age. Total miracle. And then he asks him to sacrifice his one and only son that had been promised. He asks him to sacrifice him. And so he tells him to go up on this mountain. And they take him up there. And he makes 
Isaac carry the wood, and they go up, and just at the last moment, <clears throat> God says, no, you don't have to sacrifice your son. I will provide the sacrifice. And there in the caught in the thorns is a ram, and he provides the lamb for the sacrifice, and he says, I'm going to do it. And so this is the thing. Christmas Eve, we go into Christmas Day, and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. It's all about the fulfillment of that promise. He's saying, I, I'm showing you exactly how I'm going to do it. And then he does it. He fulfills that promise. Jesus coming as a baby. He did not just come to be a baby. He didn't. And he didn't just come to die. He didn't come to just live and do miracles and prove he was God and a prophet. And he didn't come to just die. He, he didn't come to die and then stay in the grave. He came to die and pay for something. And that penalty, that price, was the penalty and the price for our sin. That's what he came to die for, to pay for. And he was resurrected. And in that resurrection, that payment, the Bible says, is once for all. That means it's good for all time, no matter what you've done or what you could ever do. It's paid for all. That was his promise. He said, I will make a way for you. I'm going to make a way for you. That was his promise. And he said, I want you to take upon my yoke because it's easy. You take upon my burden, it's easy, and I'll take yours that's heavy. That was his promise. He was going to take away your sin. Wow. So when we look here, we look at some promises that he fulfilled, and we see this promise right here, Luke chapter 2. He took with him, this is Joseph, takes with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who he was now expecting a child. And while they were there at the time, they came. It came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to a firstborn son. She wrapped him, him snugly in strips of cloth. See, snugglies are biblical. They are. Strips of cloth. They're right there. Jesus wore one. I'm, got, I'm buying one. I'm going to get one of those. She wrapped him snugly, sorry, in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in a snuggly in strips of cloth. Sorry. Lying in a manger. Suddenly the angels, uh, the angel was joined by a vast host of other heavenly armies praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him and the shepherds, they told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Makes me think of that song they were singing today. Mary, did you know? Man, did you really know what was going on? And she just kept these things. I bet she did. 
I mean, these shepherds are coming in and worshiping. These wise men and magi are coming in. She has a, she's a virgin and has conceives, and the Holy Spirit says, I'm gonna, the, the Son of God is going to be born I'm, through you. She's like, this is wild. I'd be storing some of that stuff in my memory bank too. But Mary, she knew that day. She knew. She knew God was fulfilling a promise. She could see it. And, and there was more than one promise. He promised all kinds of things would happen. And he actually prophesied from generations and even thousands of years before how the Messiah would come. And when he came, it wasn't just that he did come, but it was when he came, the way he came, and the details in which he came were all fulfillments of promises so that we would know he truly did come for the purpose, the promise to save you and I. See, John, one promise he had here was in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He fulfilled that promise. He came. He came. The fullness of God, the fullness of God's glory, came in the vessel of a man. Also, he could be that perfect sacrifice. But it also was prophesied, and there was another promise, and we find it here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the, of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's all kinds of things promised in here. But he's promised that he would be a child. The Messiah was promised he would be a child, not a man. See, God could have come any way he wanted. He could have showed up as a full-blown man. Just boom, on the scene. But in order to pay the price for our sin, he needed to be just like us. Hebrews says he's the compassionate high priest, the one who understands us. And he came vulnerable. He didn't come in power. He came in vulnerability, not the way we would think. And it was all to fulfill this promise. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord, this is another promise, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, this prophecy is powerful. And they were looking for this. They're like, this, the Messiah will do these things. These things will happen. And even so much so that Joseph, when he he's, finds out that Mary is conceived, he's kind of thinking, this didn't go the way I planned. And he's thinking something else happened and it's time for him to check out this marriage. And instead an angel, the Lord comes to him and quotes him this prophecy. Says to him, after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. God keeps his promises and he does them to perfection. 
Another promise he made is in Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on, be- on my behalf. We see this again in Matthew 2, 5 and 6, chapter 2, 5 through 6. In Bethlehem and Judea, they say, For this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people. And Luke 2, 4, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home, He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Something about this town Bethlehem here. John chapter 7, verse 42. For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born in the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So not only the way he was born, but where he was born mattered. And God did all of this because he set it all up because he promised David that David would have a king on the throne forever. And Isaiah prophesies about it back in 9.6. He says, David's reign, his kingdom will be established and uphold and it will go on forever and ever. How in the heck is that ever going to go on forever? Just human beings keep filling the, ro- you know, the, the, the throne of kings? That's not it. That's not what God was talking about. It's a different kind of government. The government would be on Jesus' shoulders, not on some natural man's shoulders, a kingdom-based government that no one else will ever take the throne, just Jesus. When he came as this baby, he came and he was in the lineage of Joseph. So when they break back the lineage of Joseph, his father and his daddy's 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 daddy was David. You go Mary's? Mary's daddy's 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 daddy's. Guess what? David, the king. In Judea, in Bethlehem, the same city that David was born in, where God was going to establish not a natural kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom that goes on forever and ever and ever. Not by accident, but a fulfillment of a promise so that you and I would know it wasn't by accident. <laughs> it was on purpose. God went to a, he went to a lot of trouble. Well, maybe it wasn't a lot of trouble for him. It would be a lot, I don't know how it's even possible. It would be impossible for us. But with God, all things are possible, right? But he went to a lot of trouble to work out all these details. And these are just the ones we can see. I'm sure when we get to heaven, he's going to show another layer of ridiculous details to just blow our minds a little bit more. You know? I'm like, oh yeah, that's just all the stuff you could see from the words that were written down. Wait do you see what I did with all this. Boom, and he just shows all his cards, shows all the little plays and all the little moves he did. But this is important that we see because Jesus is the king. And the government, the kingdom, is on his shoulders. And he's the one that we need to be looking at, all right, as king. And he came as this little baby to establish this new kingdom in the place where God said it would all happen. And we see another promise here, Isaiah 53, 2. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. And we see that, we, see, he was 
the Savior, the Messiah, was to be a humble and plain and not flashy person, to come from really poverty. And he was born in the humblest of circumstances because he was born in this stable out in the back, didn't even have a house or a, a, a hospital or a doctor. He was born where the animals live. And I've had a hamster. You ever had a gerbil or a guinea pig or something? These are big animals. It's not clean in there. It's not like, we, we dress all these mangers up, right? And we, don't, we leave out all the other stuff. It's not as awesome. That's not the ideal place for the king of kings to be born. Right? But God wanted to show, because in Philippians 2, he says that God humbled himself to become a man. And he didn't come into this world to rule it and to dominate it. He came to save it. He came to show himself and that through humility, he was going to save the world, not through pride and power. His power is a different kind of power. It was really to display his grace in his humility right there in that little stable. See, it was a child that would save us. Jesus born as a baby. His power, this powerlessness in our human strength. But in God, he can sustain it all. God himself would save us. And he did this through the virgin birth. It wasn't just any way. It wasn't just any way. No, God came in and he did a miracle providing Mary with a child. And then we see him born in this specific place where the king is born through the line of kings to establish a permanent kingdom. And he came in a way we just would not expect because only God, only from God, would come salvation. But you know, there's a couple other interesting things about this story that really kind of get my mind racing and going is that around this circumstance of him of Jesus being born in the stable, there's this other group of people beside the shepherds that are coming to worship Jesus. And these are people that are very learned men, and they call them magi, or we call them wise men, right? And they were studying probably their entire life for this moment, or any other moment that they could see that a fulfillment of a prophecy and they knew all the prophecies and all of the stories. And they were waiting and looking. And in the heavens, in the stars, there were all kinds of radical things shifting and moving for this very moment. And they saw those stars moving. And they started to move with them. They got up. And I, apparently it took them weeks uh, to get to this spot. And they were watching the stars. And they were following and tracing. And they saw all these stars lining up. And they line up right over Bethlehem. And they show exactly where this baby in a snuggly is born. Right there, same spot. And where the angels get told by the shepherd, and they go there. But these magi, they're like, they see these stars line up, and it shines right down on the exact location of where Jesus is being born. You can go study all the math and astronomy about all that stuff. It's crazy nerdy. It's happened, I think, only one time in all world history. That alignment of planets and stars and all the stuff that made that happen. And these guys show up. And they don't, 
They don't show up empty-handed and they don't show up unprepared. They show up with specific gifts because they know exactly who this child is. And they come to worship him. And they didn't just bring some junk from their trailer or junk from their, you know, lunch boxes. And they, they, they brought stuff that they knew exactly who this Jesus was. And they came to worship him. And they came to declare who he was. And they come and they bring gold, which represents the king. It's a symbol of royalty. And they give it and offer this to a baby in a manger. They traveled ridiculous miles to get to on this exact moment. And boom, there's a baby in the manger. Miracle. And they offer gold because they knew he was the king. And he was there. He was in Bethlehem where the king should be born. Then, frankincense, a symbol of worship of his priesthood. See, the priests were charged with worship and incense, and they used this as a primary source of their worship in the tabernacle. It's a direct symbol to worship Jesus as God and that he was the priest. He came to provide sacrifice for sins, okay? To be the one that goes between. So they offer this frankincense to him. Then they offer myrrh, which is a symbol of sacrifice, and specifically the sacrifice that this little baby Jesus would make for them and for all of us. Myrrh was used in burial, and it's a symbol of death. So they come and they prophesy with the gifts they give that Jesus is the king, and he's the priest, and he's the savior. He is the sacrifice. See, they knew, and they worshiped that baby as their God and their savior, not just a little baby, but as God, fully God. And they knew exactly what that baby was going to do for them, that he would die for them. And God chose to come this way to fulfill something, a promise, a promise he made to you and a promise he made to me. So you know what? This God that keeps promises, he promised he would provide, he would forgive and fulfill us and that he would return again. This God, uh, you know what? He fulfilled promises and he fulfills promises and we don't even know he's doing it. There's times when I know I should fulfill a promise maybe to my kids. It's probably where I break the most amount of promises in my whole life. Is that too much? You're just like me. You break promises to your kids too. Don't lie. <laughs> I try not to, but I'm like, oh, I really wish I didn't say I was going to do that. <laughs> Try to figure out a way to get out of it. And when they forget, I'm like, whew. Right? I don't, like, I don't usually fulfill the promise when they forget, unless they hold my feet to the fire. God's not like that. He fulfills promises, and we don't even know he made them. See, I got saved. I gave my heart to Jesus when I didn't even know God. I never even opened a Bible. I knew nothing about him. I never gone to church. I didn't know anything. And someone told me that there's a God-shaped hole inside of me that's shaped just like Jesus. And until I take him and receive him and put him in there, then I will never experience that fulfillment. God spoke to me audibly in my ears. I couldn't believe anybody didn't hear it. And he said, I'm real, and this is what you've been searching for. And he filled me with his presence. He fulfilled a promise that I didn't even know he made to me. Because all, all he said, if you believe in me, I will come and I will save you. If you believe I'm God, I'll save you. That's it. 
That's it. As I did that, and he fulfilled a promise I didn't even know he made to me. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit that day. I mean, his presence was just overwhelming me. Never looked back. He's, he was there. He's real. And he fulfilled a promise before I even asked. If you ask him today, he'll fulfill that promise for you. See, in Ephesians 2, it says really simply that it's by his grace that you've been saved not by your works, so that no one can boast. Nobody can boast about it. He did the work. You and I, we just receive it, and he says, you know what? I've made you my masterpiece. In fact, I'd like to just say that this whole thing is a masterpiece. God's work of art, of his promise being fulfilled in your life, my life, is a masterpiece, but he says you are the masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. You're the end game. The reason he promised is because he wanted you. It's because of his love for you. And he always fulfills his promise because he loves you that much. He wants you that badly. He did all this in perfect timing because he wanted you so badly. Read this cool story. It says when Pastor David Peterson was preparing a sermon, his little daughter came in and asked, Daddy, can we play? I'm awfully sorry, sweetheart. I'm right in the middle of preparing the sermon. And then maybe we can play in about an hour, Dad says. Okay, she says. Well, when you're finished, I'm going to give you a great big hug. She went to the door and she paused for a moment, turned around, and she ran back to her father and gave him a bone-breaking hug. You said you were going to give me a hug after I finished, her dad said, teasing. I just wanted you to know what you have to look forward to, the little girl said. This is Jesus' love. Come on. This is salvation. See, he comes in and he saves you and me, and it's like this little girl just comes in, just gives you this first taste of what it's going to be like. But that's just the beginning of all the promises he has for you and me. Just the beginning. Because he promised that he would come back again. He promised that he would be with you always. He would never leave you or forsake you. Those promises you can make good on. You can trust. He's not going anywhere. And in eternity, throughout all eternity, he's going to be the king. The government's on his shoulders, and you and I get to be a part of that. And that second hug, that second encounter, oh man, I can't wait. First one's been pretty awesome. First one's been really good. Man, I can't wait till I get to be in eternity with my Father in heaven. You get to be there too. It's a choice. It's just a choice. All you have to do is choose Him. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. That's what I did and I didn't even know it. I got saved. This is what Christmas is about. I never even knew what Christmas was about. I never understood what it was about. It took me an entire year after I got saved, basically, to finally come to Christmas and go, it's about a promise that you made to me. This is Jesus. He, you came for me. It was a, the best Christmas. It was the first one when I knew Jesus. He said, look, I fulfilled my promise to you, and I have something for you to do. I want you to share my love with others. And when we light these candles, I want you to think about sharing your love the love of Jesus the love Jesus has given you the promise he's made for you so that others can experience the fulfillment of the promise he's made for them
They just have to know. All right, Father, we thank you for your love. Pour out your spirit on us, God. I just bless the rest of this service as we worship you. Jesus, you're the King of kings. You're our Savior. You're our high priest, God. You are everything. We bless your name, Jesus' name. Let's worship. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.